0: I think I spoke to you some time ago from some of the verses I'm going to read to you this morning, but there's one verse which I wish to call special attention that I did not call your attention the time I discussed this subject. I cannot remember whether it was last year or to some group I talked to this year, but this message is a greatly needed message, and I want to repeat some things and then take up this verse which I wish to call special attention this morning. I'm reading from the third chapter of the book of the Revelation. I think I told you that uh, I got on the plane uh, some months ago and uh, had uh, a rather blue kind of a spell. In fact, uh, I suppose most men who live on high pressure are more or less neurotic in their makeup. That's what the world would say about us. And I have moods like that. Always have had. And so I got the Bible out of my pocket and I asked the Lord to give me something out of it that I needed just for myself. Now I don't always do that, just open the Bible to just most anywhere and start in. The sermon I preached to you the last Sunday I was here recently, I got just that way. Just picked it up by opening the Bible and praying for a text. So I opened this Bible to this uh, chapter of Revelation to the church in Philadelphia. Now, these churches in the book of Revelation, some of the Bible scholars tell us, of course were written the churches then in existence, they're historical churches, but some of these Bible scholars say they are written in the form of prophecy, taking in the whole church age. Now, I'm not a great student of prophecy, not an authority in that field, but I'm rather inclined to think that these Bible scholars are right in the, their idea that these uh, seven churches take in, in a prophetic way, the whole church age. I don't think there's any doubt me living in the to see an age now uh, that we get to probably when I come back next week and speak to you on the next church, which is the last church discussed here. So I opened this and read this scripture on the plane and had such a personal blessing. I, I haven't got over it yet, and I've told so many of my friends about it. I will to read you the verses now. To the age of the church of Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true. He that hath the key of David, he that openeth no man shutteth, and shutteth no man openeth. By what a description of Almighty God, the holy one, the powerful one, the one that has a key. Nobody else has it. He unlocks the door, he locks it, the key's tied to his girdle. He has the only key that'll open the door of real opportunity. So he says, thus saith this wonderful one, holy, just, true. All-powerful, has the key. All right. He said, I know thy works. Now, God does know uh, the work of every church and uh, every group and every individual. He knows you, he knows me, he knows all of us. He knows all things. What a great God we have. Holy, true, all-powerful. Knows everything. All right. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. Now get the picture. Now here's a door. I've unlocked it. Come on in. Make yourself at home. You remember I said to you, he didn't say there won't be anybody to kick you when you go through the door. The probabilities are when you go through a door that God opens, there'll be somebody there to kick you as you go through. Because men in their unregenerated states are at enmity with God. And when you open the door, he opens the door, you start in a door that God opened for you. It's a pretty sure thing that there'll be somebody that to kick you as you go through. And it's pretty sure there'll be somebody in there to bother you when you get in. You count on that. You know, God never said, I'll open a comfortable room for you. He never said, I'll open a nice room for you. He said, I'll never make it easy for you. God never promised that. All God said is, I'll open the door. You know, there's an idea abroad in this country that if you're not rich, you're not much good. Men go out and prosper and God bless them. They go up and down the land and tell the story of how God Almighty blessed me, set me apart, and some poor fellow in the audience gets the idea, if he hasn't got a lot of money, that maybe he's not right with God and he wants to get religion so he can make some money. And it's been a curse in this country. That kind of testimony is a curse. Now, I think sometimes God gives prosperity to some man in order to help them give a testimony. But I think it's a dangerous thing to put out the propaganda that I'm prosperous because I'm a good man. There have been good men who were prosperous and there have been bad men who, humanly speaking, were prosperous and there have been some mighty good men that never had any prosperity. It's a great mistake to put that kind of emphasis before the public. God never promised you riches. God never promised you an easy bed. God never promised you a comfortable chair. God never promised you a bed of roses. Uh, God never made any such promise to anybody. Now, let's understand that. Now, he said in this world you'll suffer persecution. In this world you'll be up against it. In this world you'll face difficulties. In this world you'll have organized worldliness against you. In this world you'll have satanic opposition. Now, let's face it. Let's, let's be sensible about this thing. You know, I, I'm sick and disgusted about a lot of the testimonies I hear up now in the land people talk about how God's prospered them and God did this for me and all that kind of sort of thing you know and go up and down the land about it and a lot of the old saints I know that I'm not worthy to sit their feet that live in their little homes and their horny hands work for a living And some of them suffer and have affliction and trouble and sorrows in the world now let's keep in mind that if we are God's people if prosperity is what we ought to have God will give us prosperity if it's adversity he'll give us adversity God will send to you what you ought to have if you're his man, if you're surrendered to him. All right, they said, I've set before you this open door. I know thy works. I've set this door before you. He didn't say, now it's going to be an easy door. He didn't say it's going to be an easy place. He didn't say he'd have a nice time. He didn't say he'd make a big salary. Uh, he just said that the door is open. And I opened it. The great, omnipotent God opened it. And I know you, and here's the door for you. And I won't tell you right now, I'd rather have God Almighty open a door for me than have any moderator open one, any bishop open one, any committee open one, any assembly open one. You know, it's a wonderful thing to move into a room and know that God opened the door for you. How marvelous it is. I meet men and women up and down the land that say to me, You know, Dr. Bob, uh, God did this. God put me here. You know, it gives you a feeling of holy boldness. To be in a place and say I'm here by the hand and guiding of Almighty God. We got one of our boys here going to the army. Uh, one of our fellows been with for a long time. I said to him this morning, I said, Son, remember one thing. Just keep this in your mind. We hate to see you go and leave us. But remember this, Uncle Sam can't put you anywhere God doesn't want you if you're God's man.
1: There isn't any army
0: can march me anywhere God doesn't want me to march if I'm not His man. It may not be the directive, but it'll be at least the permissive direction of Almighty God. Nobody can send you where God doesn't want you to go if you're not surrendered to it, if you're surrendered to it. Now, if you run your own life, it's different. But nobody on earth can put you in a predicament that God Almighty doesn't want you in for his glory. If you're there. I talk about we've had so much prosperity in this country, we've forgotten some of the hardships of Christianity. And I think the time's coming in America when we're going to have to learn to take it on the chin again. I wouldn't be surprised if in the lifetime of some of you folks listening now that there'll be martyrs in this country for Jesus Christ. I wouldn't be at all surprised. Ecclesiastical dictatorship, all the political wicked influence of the world, and all the ideologies are getting together in many places. Uh, to build up the machinery and put a club in the hands of dictators to beat the brains out of the servants of God that won't surrender. So now I want to tell you something. Let's make up our mind. Let's make up our mind. If we're going God's way, he never said it will be an easy way. He never said the road would be smooth. No man of God surrendered to God, doing God's will ever live, that didn't go up against difficulty. But nobody's ever been able to stop him if he's going God's way and God got through with him. I've said to you so many times, Paul himself couldn't be stopped until Paul said, I finished the task. My job's done. I'm now ready to go home and check in. It's all finished and nobody can stop it. Now he said, this door's open. He said, I, right, it's open for you. No man can shut it. And I shut it, nobody can open it. All right, I know thy works. I know about you. Behold, I have set before you an open door no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength." Now, he didn't say they were perfect. God Almighty has never found a man that was absolutely right in every particular. You have some limitation mentally, some limitation physically, some limitation somewhere. There's no perfect human being, perfect specimen ever lived. There's no man ever lived who was absolutely perfect mentally. Perfect spiritually and perfect physically. There's certain infirmities we have. Certain limitations. Certain restrictions to our personality. Certain weaknesses that we've inherited. Now that's true of all of us. He didn't say you're a perfect crowd. He didn't say he didn't have any limitations. But he said you've got something. Now the essential thing for you and me is to have that spiritual something if we're going God's way. Now that's the essential thing. That's the first step. God doesn't open a door of spiritual opportunity to a man who has no spiritual life. If you have not any spiritual life, then God Almighty doesn't open. God opens spiritual doors of opportunity to a man who have something in them that's spiritual. They may not be all they ought to be, but there's life there, response there, some little strength there. So that's the first thing. Now I said, uh, you have a little strength, but you've done something that pleases me very much. You've kept my word. Listen, God Almighty is not opening the doors of spiritual opportunities to men in this country that put a question mark after the word of God. This country needs today a new voice to cry out loud, and we've been crying out. The Bible's the word of God. Up and down this country in many of our institutions, there are subtle temptations that undermine the word. Bob Jr. told you yesterday about speaking at college recently, supposed to be Christian. And he told me the message he gave, but you'd think it'd be acceptable anyway. But he had more left there until somebody in the science department wrote that editorial in the school paper, criticizing uh, the approach that isn't scientific. Watch out for that. Whenever you hear that kind of talk, it's a sure sign there's something wrong. When a man is more interested in the scientific approach than I mean, he is a spiritual approach, there's something wrong with that man and in the institution where he works. This institution had gone modernistic the first two or three years of its history. If we hadn't had evangelistic experience and knew how to get rid of the fellows, it went not right. Now, I want to tell you something. There is no problem that any man ever faced, that's difficult, is to keep a school Christian and to keep it spiritual. The devil comes in in the most subtle way imaginable, inducing question, introducing question marks and that kind of thing. So he said, now here, uh, you have uh, this door open. You have a little strength. You've kept my word. Now I said, there's nothing you haven't done. You haven't denied my name. Didn't shove me around. That's reading over the door for you. I-, I want somebody like that. This church, it isn't a perfect church. Its strength isn't what it ought to be. But you've got some things that are essential. Spiritual life. And you've got something there besides that. You are loyal to the Bible. The next thing is, you magnify my name exalt me. Now I said, that door's open. Now, I said, i tell you what I'm going to do with you. I want you notice. He said, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to vindicate you. Listen, just as certain as you are here today, God Almighty, sooner or later, vindicates a Christian testimony. Now, God won't let that testimony in He's demonstrated that in the history of this school. This institution, with no contacts except individual contacts and the contact of Almighty God, has gone on through these years, to the astonishment of multiplied thousands of people, that are saying, how in the name of common sense can we do it? How can they do what they're doing? It's God's vindication, because this school has never in its history pushed the Bible to one side for a book on science, or the Bible to one side for anything else, and never once has this school, one single time, shoved Jesus Christ away. Last year at our mid-century World Outlook Conference, we had here on this platform Mohammedans talking about the worlds they saw. We had Christian men talking about the worlds they saw. We had a man here who represented the Jewish government, Israel government, a Jew. By the way, as I've said so many times, I think he's about the nicest gentleman who had here. All those men talked about the worlds they saw. We saw to it that on that platform there's a testimony. About the world like God sees it and the world like we can see it through the Bible. The telescope of God Almighty. We've never shoved Jesus Christ around. It doesn't matter who's here, what the circumstances may be. We never have pushed him in the back corner. I'd be afraid to do it. God Almighty said, I'm going to vindicate you. And I said, do yeah, what I'm going to do. I'm going to take these fellows here that say they're Jews and they're not Jews. I'm going to show them up. I'm going to show up these fellas. I'm going to make them come down here and kneel in your presence and worship. I'm going to vindicate you. Vindicate your testimony. And they're going to get down here and kneel in the presence of this church of Philadelphia. And they're going to get down here on their knees. And you're going to be vindicated. We'll shut by mouths. We'll stop them. We'll show them. And why? Because you've had some spiritual life. You've kept my word. And you haven't denied my name. I said, tell you something else I'm gonna do for you. He said, I'm gonna do something else for you. I won't take good care of you. Time of tribulation's coming. And you and your turtle than they were. Looks like the darkness may be settling now. When you read of the atrocities in this country, world war condition, upheaval, cataclysms, all sorts of curses coming upon the world. When you read of those six thousand. A more American soldiers supposed to have been massacred over there. Talk about the laws of war and civilization. All the horrors and sorrows and troubles. But he said, tell you what I'm going to do for you. You folks in this church, you that didn't surrender, you that kept my word, you that are faithful to the testimony, I'm going to take good care of you. You may have trouble now, but you're going to be protected from the worst trouble that's come. The time of tribulations on earth. Now he said, well, I'm going to do something. Listen. I'm going to show these people that I love you. <laughs> you know, it would be a wonderful thing to have God Almighty put his arm around you someday and say, the world didn't love you, but I love you. Sure it would be nice, wouldn't it, to have God Almighty walk up and put his arm around you while the angels look on. Heavenly hosts are there. Demons look out of their miserable, fiendish eyes. Have God Almighty say, I love him. He was faithful to the trust. He didn't waver. He didn't surrender. He didn't compromise. He stayed true. It's a glorious day ahead of you when God Almighty says, I love him. Now he said, won't you do this? Behold, I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly. Hold thou that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. He said, You've got something, keep it. Keep it. Don't give up your asset. Don't squander that something that made you a job. Keep your assets. Hold on to it. You know, I think about what fools some churches are, and some Christian people, and what some schools are. Jews that come along and say, We need money. We need uh, uh, new buildings, and we need this, and we need that, when all on earth they need is the greatest asset on earth. That's God Almighty. I never shall forget, as long as I live, one day in the midst of the depression that settled in this country. When I cashed out my last life insurance policy and went around and paid floating debts to the students, and I faced some dark days. One day, like a flash of lightning, out of the sky above me, that came into me a consciousness that I don't need anybody and Bob Jones University, Bob Jones College was there, doesn't need anybody but God Almighty. If this school has God Almighty, it'll have everything else it needs. If it doesn't have God Almighty, nothing else can make it a Christian school. You know, I said here one day, no school can compete with Bob Jones University, with brick and mortar. No school on earth can compete with Bob Jones University, with endowment. Brick and mortar don't make a Christian school. Endowment doesn't make a Christian school. Wealth doesn't make a Christian school. Sometimes it keeps them the being Christian. There are schools in America that were Christians till they got rich. Then they went to the world. I could name some of them. They used to love God till they got their eye on a big endowment. I'm not discounting endowments. I'm not discounting brick and mortar and buildings. Thank God for what he's done for us on this campus. But this doesn't make the school, this lovely auditorium, and I want to tell you there's no thrill that you can get anywhere on earth like the thrill of coming on this platform looking out over this crowd. I've met many crowds and spoken in many places. These folks that sit on this platform, these executives look out here and tell you the same thing. There isn't anything like it. Stand up to sing. It's, it's wonderful. Auditorium of this kind. It's wonderful to drive by here. Sometimes I, uh, at night, when I'm tired and just a little bit down this courage, I get in my car and drive out, John, and drive up in front of the buildings. Look across these buildings. And look at this monument here, monument, miracle. And I look around and say, no human explanation. I think of these schools with all their denominations and machineries, all that leadership, and look at some of them. Some of it stood for years and years in crumble ruins almost. And I look around here, think of the goodness of God. I get such a thrill, but I remember, it's not brick and mortar. There isn't one word said about the building in which the Church of Philadelphia worshipped. There isn't one word said about a comfortable pew in which some deacon sat. There isn't one single word about a wonderful pipe organ and a paid soloist. There isn't one word about the beautiful architecture. There isn't one word about the riches. God Almighty said, you've got something. Have a Lord into the Bible. You exalt Jesus Christ. Have spiritual life. You've got something. You've got something. And that's the reason I'm for you. Now he said, keep what you've got. Don't exchange it for wealth. Don't exchange it for something else. Keep that asset. Men and women, boys and girls, we've got an asset at Bob Jones University. It's not these buildings. It's not this lovely museum's going to be open in a few days. It's not anything around here that you can see. It's something you can't see that which is seen as temple. This building could be shaken down with an earthquake, but you can't shake God Almighty. This building could be disturbed by a storm. An atomic bomb might drop on these buildings and blow up all of them, but you could still have something. I remember Mrs. Bibb Gray said to me one time, she said, Dr. Jones, You built this school on the right foundation. And you build on the right foundation, a storm may come and blow your house down. But you don't have to build a new foundation. You don't have to lay another one. You can start right back there. This school, young people, is laid on a foundation, built there. And storms of persecution and trouble and destruction. And atomic bombs and death and disaster might destroy every building here. But the foundation isn't in brick and mortar. It's on the eternal principles that God Almighty proposes to vindicate. Let's keep them. Listen, listen. You can lose what made this school in one year's time with one compromise. You can sacrifice everything you have on the order of policy. How many times we've been tempted. So many times it's been so easy to say, well, we'll just pass this up. We'll let this go. We won't face the consequences. It's the hard way. You won't make any Let's don't make up. Let's have a nice, easy time. There's never been a year we haven't been tempted. You always will be tempted. That's the reason that God Almighty wrote with a pen of inspiration to the Church of Philadelphia. He said, hold what you have. Now what do you want? What should a church want? Wealth? No. What should a church want? Opportunity. A door open. That's all a church should want. That's all a Christian should want. The only thing a Christian should ask of God Almighty is an opportunity. What kind of opportunity? Opportunity for Christian service. Opportunity for Christian testimony. An open door to serve God. That's all a Christian should want. What should a Christian school want? An open door of opportunity nothing else. That's all we should want. Anything else that comes to that, all right. That's incidental. Anything else, a comfortable bed, a nice dormitory, that's incidental. Anything like that, all right if God sends it. But what we should want is an open door. Now, the church of Philadelphia had it, an open door that God himself had opened, a chance, an opportunity, a privilege, a glorious opportunity not to dig in but move in. trouble is, so many institutions, they dig in, so many churches dig in, so many people dig in. God didn't tell you to dig in, he said, move in. Now he said, the door is open, move in. That's the opportunity for you. Move in and take it. Go on down your conquest. Now all Bob Jones University ought to want is an opportunity. Well, we sure have. It. We need a testimony. We need a cultured Christian testimony. We need a cultured evangelistic emphasis. We need an adaptability. We need, in this country... What this school has, this nation needs it. All right, we've got it so far. Keep it. You help us keep it. You pray God every day to help us keep it. Had let him a preacher out in Arkansas. He said, I've kept up with Bob Jones College since you started. Just got the letter yesterday. I'm interested in the school. Got a girl out here in my little church. We are poor people. We're trying to find a way to send her there for Christian leadership and said, I want to be able to send you a little money someday. I wrote him, I said, don't bother about sending us any money. You get down on your knees and tell God Almighty to take care of us. And ask God Almighty to keep us true. Ask God to keep Bob Jr., the president of this school, true and fine, and all of his associates. And to keep this school true to God, you ask, you pray, talk to God, tell the folks to pray. Every prayer that goes up to God, asking God to keep us faithful, means more than money. If we are faithful, God will do the rest. If we'll stay put where God Almighty wants us to stay put, God Almighty will see that we can be kept where we ought to be kept in the will of God. So let's keep what we have. Hold fast that which you have. Don't lose it. Now, I'm calling you again, maybe you think this year, with a good deal of emphasis, over and over and over again, I'm calling you to this business, faithfulness, hold fast that which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. What kind of a crown? God Almighty's approval, all the crown means is God's endorsement. You don't go up to heaven to strut a crown. You go up to heaven with a a crown that God puts out of approval. Don't lose it. I'd rather have God Almighty pat this school on the back and say, I'm for you. Have all the wealth of all the multimillionaires in this country. I'd rather move out of these buildings and build some little log huts around here and have the approval of Almighty God. Let's keep what we have. Keep what we have. You keep what you have. Hold on to it. Don't surrender. it. Ask God to help us keep it here. Our Father, we are more conscious day by day that you've given us something. You've given this school something and called this school into existence to do something. We are know that. We wouldn't we wouldn't be normal human beings if we didn't see that. Who could doubt it? How could we stand on this platform? See what we see here in chapel, and meet the folks all this country we meet, and hear our students around the world on mission fields and homes in America, pulpits under tents and in evangelistic campaigns. How could we doubt? that this is of God. Lord, we pray thee to give us more of what we have, more loyalty to the Bible, more faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ, more uncompromising in our emphasis as we face the foes. Lord God, help us not only just to hold it, but to let it accumulate in our thinking and hearts and minds and souls. And keep us faithful to the day of vindication, to the day, the crowning day is ahead of us, when the returns come in. We pray this prayer, not because we are worthy, but because he is worthy. And we pray in his ever-precious name. Amen.